Uh, we're just anticipating great things from the Word of God tonight. Amen. Pastor Chris, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. All right. Well, we, uh, of course, uh, those of you with uh, your gifts tonight, your tithes and offerings, uh, we're going to go ahead and provide the opportunity for, for you to give before the end of the service tonight. But uh, uh, what, what a great time at uh, our church picnic on Sunday. It was a lot of fun. Uh, a great atmosphere of uh, all God's people getting together and having a good time and eating some good food and playing games and, and all that good stuff. Thank the Lord. It was a wonderful time. And for those of you that were able to come, we, we appreciate you uh, spending your Sunday with us. And those of you who could not come, I, I hope I make you want to come the next time around because it was good. Amen. And uh, uh, just uh, remember, Sunday morning, 930, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and uh, be blessed again on Sunday morning and uh, hear the word of God and, and experience the presence of God. You, you know what? It, it's uh, so vital for, for us to not, uh, uh, you know, some people work, work church around them. Or, or work uh, what's happening in, in the house of God and the schedule of things around them. And other people work themselves and their schedules and their lives around church and around uh, the things of God. And, and I got to tell you, that is the way to be. Uh, I, I'm glad to say I, I grew up that way. And my, my children growing up the same way. And uh, I'll talk into the future and I'll say their children will be growing up the same way. That that the 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 uh, the house of God and what was happening as far as the, the the local church will always be a priority, always be a priority. We work around it, hallelujah, and uh, what a blessing that is to prioritize the things of God, to prioritize first of all the Lord, but then secondly to prioritize each other, which is a very fitting to talk. Very fitting thing to talk about since we are talking about the body of Christ. And uh, we got started on that last week and we're going to continue that here tonight. Praise the Lord. So what we did last week, we talked about uh, the fact that Christ is the head of the body. And we talked about how, um, how, how closely he views that connection. As much as you view that connection between your head and your body, he, he sees that connection in the same way. We, we saw his response to uh, uh, Saul of Tarsus as he was heading into uh, uh, Damascus uh, to persecute believers. And he had already been persecuting a whole lot of believers back in Jerusalem. And Jesus met him and asked him the question, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because Jesus made it very clear that if you're messing with the body, you're messing with the head. <laughs> and we, we saw other things along that line. And we also looked at the parts of the body. We, we saw that the, the parts of the body of Christ are both internal and external. Which tells us something because uh, there, there are the, the external parts of your body are obviously the ones that can be seen. Internal parts of you cannot be seen. However, you cannot live without internal parts of you. You cannot live without that heartbeat. You can't breathe without those lungs. Uh, you know, without the internal organs of our body, uh, we're, we're not functioning. I mean, you, you are not going to go ahead and make it 
without those, those key components that God's put in you. So the body of Christ, you know, we, we, we saw that, you know, there was what Paul talked about, 1 Corinthians 12, which we'll also look again at tonight, the idea of the, the hand and the foot, the ear and the eye. But he also talked about in Ephesians, joints and ligaments. You, you can't see the joint and the ligament because those are on the inside, holding things together on the inside. But both the, the more visible and the less visible parts are just as important. And so w whether you consider yourself somebody who would uh, uh, have more spotlight or less spotlight, that doesn't matter. One thing matters, that you are functioning in the body where he has placed you. Because if, you, if you're doing that and, and functioning in the body where he's placed you as it pleases him, then whether you are a visible part of that body or you're just busily working like a beaver behind the scenes, as long as you're in your function, when you stand before him, you're going to hear the words, well done, hallelujah. Uh, not based on uh, uh, how, how flashy what you did was or how non-flashy it was. It's all about obedience and it's all about you just simply doing the thing that he had purposed you and designed you to do. You see, it's interesting, we talked about this, that Jesus, when he was here on earth, the, the scripture lays it out like this, that he had the spirit without measure. That means he had all the, the Holy Spirit, all the gifting and all the anointing there was to have. But uh, there's no one single member of the body of Christ that has it all. However, the body of Christ as a whole and as a collective has that same measure of the spirit that Jesus had. And that same measure that was in Jesus Jesus was the apostle, the, the, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Well, you know, Jesus was everything. I mean, uh, even, even outside of the, the realm of fivefold ministry, we, we talked about Jesus knew something about ministry of helps because when he walked into uh, the upper room on the night before he was crucified and nobody else wanted to do the job, Jesus do, did the job. Jesus took the job of the servant who washed the feet of everybody there at the table. So, so we, we see Jesus uh, functioning in that way uh, uh, absolutely with, with, with every possible flow and every possible gifting that there is from the Spirit of God. Jesus had it on him. He had the Spirit without measure. But to us, every, uh, every one of us have some of that DNA. There's nobody who's got it all, but everybody's got some of it. Everybody's got that, that, that gifting that God has placed in you or a combination of giftings many times. Many times you've got a combination of things that God's given to you that, that, that he's gifted you at and called you to. And when you function there, oh, it's a beautiful thing. It, it, it's like a conductor with an orchestra. I'm at sweet music. And everybody's right on cue when they're functioning right in the position that God placed them in. Amen. So we also talked about last week the unity of the body. So very important. And, and we talked about the, the, the amazing amount of scripture that talked about that they were of one mind. Be of one mind. Be of one mind. I mean, you thought I was repeating myself, but I wasn't. There was just a whole different, a whole lot of different verses that said the same thing. <laughs> but thank God we saw the great emphasis that the scripture had put on the unity of the body. And, and also the, the beautiful uh, way that Jesus uh, ha had in one new man combined the, uh, the, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers together. 
uh, where, where in that day, when, when Jesus was here on earth, when Jesus was crucified, raised from the dead, and after he had ascended into heaven, one of the biggest issues with the early church was this issue of Jews and Gentiles. Can, can Gentiles be saved? Well, if they can be saved, well, then they, do they need to live exactly like we live and all that? And the beauty of what the body of Christ demonstrates is that God in one new man brought the Jews in and brought the Gentiles in. So you had, you, you had people that wanted to touch the bacon and people that were probably eating too much bacon, but all functioning in one beautiful body uh, as one and in unity and flowing together as God designed it to happen. Amen. And we also saw this, that if you want to see the things that the scripture lays out, like, for instance, if you want to see something like Acts chapter 2, where there was a mighty rushing wind that filled the house, and, and where, where there was, uh, in Acts chapter 4, where, where, where there was just amazing moves of God and the Spirit of God filling people and filling them with boldness. You want that? There, there's a key component in both of those situations. In Acts chapter 2 and Acts 4, we looked at towards the end of last week, and the key component was that they were of one accord. And in a setting like that, it was just ripe for God to be able to freely do things he wants to do. And we referred to also Psalm 133, talking about how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And how it's like the oil that was poured on Aaron and run down his beard and the skirts of his garment. <laughs> and the, the rest of the verse, I didn't quote it last week. Uh, my, my wife, thank God for a good wife, reminded me of it. The, the rest that I didn't quote said, there the Lord commands his blessing. Imagine that then in a place of unity and one accord that God would command his blessing to be right there in that very place. Amen. So that's what we talked about last week, the head of the body, the parts of the body, and the unity of the body. Let's pick up tonight and let's talk about something we didn't get to get to uh, last week, that being the empathy of the body. And we'll go ahead and hit some other things as we go as well. But let, let's talk about the empathy of the body. What do I mean by empathy? Well, well uh, it, it's the idea of being able to feel what somebody else is feeling. Are you with me? You know, Jesus knows something about that because he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Hallelujah. How many of you ever read that scripture before? Thank God that Jesus was like that. And if the head's like that, then the body certainly should be like that. Let's look first today at 1 Peter 5. Uh, verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And then verse 9 says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And just that awareness there, knowing that in the same way that you've got to deal with the enemy and that the adversary is walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, trying to devour you, but that, that your brethren throughout the world, your brotherhood in the world, are experiencing the same sufferings. And I got to tell you, one thing that I would encourage you to do as, as members of the body of Christ is to be aware, be aware of what is happening in the body of Christ around the world. Be aware that there is a body of Christ around the world. 
And not just people that you have no connection with. No, I'm talking about people that you are vitally connected with. Members of the same body that you're a part of. People that you've not met. People that you've not seen. But people that you are absolutely connected to in the body of Christ. And being aware that it's not just my little corner of the world. And us four, no more, you know, and, uh, you know, that kind of small thinking. You got to realize that, that the body of Christ is, is global. And then besides that, universal. Because there's a family that's here on earth and a family that's in heaven. Paul prayed to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Hallelujah. So there's part of the body of Christ that have already run their race here and are now with the Lord. But, but, but there's part of the body that's here still running the race. And for, for you to have an awareness of what's happening with the body of Christ around the world and be able to empathize with what others are experiencing. Something interesting in Hebrews 13 verse 3, it says, Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. So, so to remember people in prison as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, to remember them as well. And it's so reminiscent of what Jesus talked about when he said that I was in prison and you visited me and I was sick and you came to me. And, and, and they said, Lord, when did we do this? And he said, when you did it to the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Hallelujah. And so that, that's a very important thing for us to remember, that, that, that sense of empathy, that sense that, that if it's happening to somebody else that I'm connected to, another member of the body of Christ, it's just as if it were happening to me. Why is that? Because Paul said it so well in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. He said, and if one member suffers... All the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You see, when you get to the point where you start looking at the, the blessings of somebody else being your blessing. You see, if you look at it this way, you see, if, you, if it happens to somebody else and you say, well, it always happens to somebody else and never happens to me. Well, you just put yourself to the back of the line right there. <laughs> but when you have the kind of attitude that the scripture talks about, where, where you're rejoicing when someone else is honored, hallelujah. And when, when you're acting in the same way, when you hear news about somebody else being blessed or honored or getting a breakthrough, and you're rejoicing with the same enthusiasm for them as you would for yourself, I guarantee you, you don't have to wait long for yours. Because your heart's right, your motive's right, you pass the test when you, when you have that kind of perspective. And believe me, there's always tests to pass. But that, that's one. That, that, that's one where you can go ahead and, and always uh, notice that, that, that if somebody else is dealing with something, that you go ahead and treat it as though you were dealing with that same thing yourself. The Bible says in Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. The scripture also talks about in other places about those who are strong bearing with the scruples of the weak. Uh, scruples really meaning your, the, the, the hesitations or the doubts or the reluctancies. So you've got somebody who's strong and somebody who is reluctant and, and hesitant. And so, so the strong person might want to just go ahead and shake them and say, come on, get some confidence. Get with it. 
But, but you see that the wise person will go ahead and take their time and bring them along. And rather than look to demean them, look to bring them along and disciple them into the, that area of confidence and into that area of boldness that they need to be in. Amen. Hallelujah. And of course, you know, Paul said in Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens. So when we view the body of Christ, when we view each other in this way, bear one another's burdens is the same as bearing your own burden because you're connected. That this is not just, well, that, that's your stuff and this is my stuff. No, uh, you, you see, there's a whole lot of crazy talk in the world about pronouns these days. We're not getting into that. But Lord knows there's a whole lot of crazy talk about pronouns these days. But when I'm talking to you about a pronoun, I'm talking about you becoming more of a we and an us person than a me and an I person. Praise the Lord. Because that is the right way to be able to view the body of Christ and to be able to uh, have empathy towards the body of Christ. How about this? Let's go ahead and move on to uh, another aspect of this. How about the culture of the body of Christ? The culture of the body of Christ. So I want to look at uh, Romans 12, 5, and then we'll skip over a few verses and pick up with verse 9 and go from there. But verse 5 says, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So this is the context of it. Talking about us being, though we are many, we are one body in Christ. Now, verse 9, in this context, well, what, what's the body of Christ like? What, 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 what do people in the body of Christ uh, act like? What are they supposed to act like? What are they supposed to look like, be like, smell like? Let's check it out. Verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So this here is really describing the culture of the body of Christ, where there's love, where there's honor, where there's fervency, where, where there's joy, patience, steadfastness, generosity, hospitality, and blessing. What, what, what a great thing to be able to look at this. And, and, and you know what? You, you, you may say, well, I, I see myself being more gifted in these areas and these areas, but, but my, my, my brother or my sister that I know of, I know that they're more gifted in this area and this area. And here's the thing. Uh, you, you know, uh, uh, there, there's, there's just the, uh, the, first of all, the motivation to always grow and not just settle, well, well that, that's one of my weak spots. So, you know, I, I'm just kind of weak there. And then, you know, you see that same person next year and they say, well, I'm just kind of weak there. And you see them the next year and say, well, that's one of my weak areas. Well, how long is it going to take to try to take that weakness and turn it into strength? As opposed to keep on moving along and kicking the can down the road. Lord, have mercy. Hallelujah. But that, that was for somebody. So <laughs> take it and run with it. But, but we, we see here these things that, that are part of the culture of the body of Christ. How about this? Just good old honesty. That the body of Christ should, should be a place where, where, where you don't hear anything but the truth. I mean, the head himself is truth, so the body should be truth as well. Can I hear an amen to that? 
Paul addressed that when he said Ephesians 4, in Ephesians 4, 25, therefore rejecting all falsity and being done now with it. Let everyone express the truth with his neighbor for we are all parts of one body and members of one another. I mean, how many of you ever heard the term lying to yourself? Oh, Lord. Last thing you want to be doing is lying to yourself. The Bible calls that being a self-deceived person. Well, you don't want to be lying to a member of the body of Christ because if you're lying to a member of the body of Christ, you're lying to yourself because you're a member of the same body. If you're lying to a member of the body of Christ, you're lying to Jesus because he's the head of that body. So that just kind of puts it all in perspective. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're talking about the culture of the body of Christ. We, we, we saw a whole load of things there in Romans 12. We see here the, the aspect of honesty, not having any falsity in lying, but telling the truth. Now, how about this? How about sexual purity? Praise the Lord. You talk about that in church? Oh, yeah, we do. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 15, the Bible says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make the members of a harlot? Certainly not. And uh, the amplified classic of that says this. Do you not see and know that your bodies are members, bodily parts of Christ the Messiah? So here's the thing. Because you are parts of Christ. You are parts of the very body of Christ. Therefore, what you do and how you do really, really matters. And therefore, when you go ahead and consider your connection to him and your connection to each other, there are certain things that just get crossed off the list. Hallelujah. Anything that's displeasing to him, Anything that's harmful to you and harmful to other members of the body, just not allowed, not permitted. So, so uh, uh, in, in the culture of the body of Christ, there is purity in every area. But Paul specifically even talked about the area of sexual purity with the awareness that we are members of him. So therefore, if, if, you, if you're not going to do it around him, you're just not going to do it. Because wherever you go, he is. You know, the, the old timers used to say, would you do that if Jesus was in the room? And the point is, Jesus is always in the room. So you just don't do it. Praise the Lord. All right. How about this? Colossians 3, starting with verse 14. And uh, we'll, we'll see some more things here that are part of the culture of the body of Christ. It says, but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So you got love in this culture. You got peace in this culture. You got thankfulness, gratefulness in this culture. The, the, in this culture, you got word people, hallelujah, that are letting the word dwell in them richly. They love to talk about the word, love to listen to the word, love to read the word, love, love to read books about the word. They're, they're just word people. 
and they let it dwell in them richly. And they're teaching and admonishing. The word admonishing means warning. Now, here, here's the thing. When you love somebody and you see them going on the road and the bridge is out, you're going to go ahead and warn them that the bridge is out. See, that's admonishing. That's warning. Say, don't go that way. The bridge is out. I don't want your car to crash. I don't want you to go off the, the, the ledge. And you see, the, that's, that's so important. And, and, and you know, I, I'm not talking about you going ahead and making yourself uh, an annoyance to people. But I'm talking about when, when there's clear right and wrong and there, there's, there, there's clear uh, fruit inspection going on and you inspect the fruit and the fruit's not looking that good, you know, to, to have some good brothers and sisters that'll warn you and will flag you down and say, because I love you, I'm going to tell you, you're going the wrong way. That's important. Hallelujah. I know I'm thrilled, thankful, eternally grateful in my life for people that flagged me down when I needed to be flagged down. Can I have a witness tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. So we see several things here. We see the culture of the body. And the, the number one thing that seemed to keep showing up there is, is love. And no coincidence. What did Jesus say? You, uh, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. The, the number one mark of this culture of the body of Christ, of, of what's it like when you're in the body? Well, you, you've got, if you're in the body, you've got his DNA. Well, if you've got his DNA, the Bible says God is love. Not that God has love or that God, uh, or not just that he loves, but God is love. So, so when you're hooked up to the head and the head is love, then, then love's your way too. You are love children of a love God. You, you're, a, you're a love body connected to the love head. Love is the way you do things. Love is how you do. And you know what? When, when, it, when it's easy to do and when it's not so easy to do. The love of Christ, the scripture actually says the love of Christ constrains us. That means even when you're trying not to love, there's something inside scratching at you and bothering you and saying, no, that ain't the way we do it around here. <laughs> the love of Christ is always in there, getting your attention, leading you in the direction of love. As a matter of fact, you know what? This is not in my notes, but I want to read it to you anyhow. Thank God for quick access to scripture. This is out of 1 Thessalonians 3. And uh, right at the end. Uh, now, now listen to this. This is a prayer. Starting with verse 11 and then uh, verse 12. It says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? That the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all. I tell you, you know, uh, uh, there is just no reason for us to not uh, have good, strong love walks because first of all, it's the nature of the one who dwells inside of you. Hallelujah. It's the nature of the one with whom you're connected as a member of the body of Christ. 
But the thing is, is Paul even laid out in scripture there and in other places, prayers that he prayed for the church that were specifically uh, related to love. And I'll tell you, with all these things put together and compounded together, there is no reason for us to, to fall short in the area of walking in love. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, this is the, the number one thing that, that, that would identify our culture is that right there. Everything else, the idea of honesty, when you love somebody, you won't lie to them. <laughs> when you love somebody, you won't bring them into sexual sin. Hey, praise the Lord. You, you, you know, some people out there might write songs and call that love, but that is not love. Love would lead somebody out of sin, not into sin. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But, but all of these other uh, things, you know, are really wrapped up under the umbrella of love. You know, the idea of hospitality and generosity, as Romans 12 was talking about. So, so the culture of the body of Christ is a culture of love. Hallelujah. And we are connected with love himself. And that is the way we do life. That is the way we walk. That's the way we talk. That's the, that's the way we, we think in those terms. You know, uh, when, when somebody does something mean to you, you, you think in terms of what can I do to bless that person? Because the Lord Jesus set the example who that when he was, uh, when he was spoken against, he did not go ahead and speak against. You know, he did not say, well, you hit me and I'll hit you. No, as a matter of fact, he always returned good for evil. Amen. Hallelujah. So that is the culture of the body of Christ. How about this? The submission of the body of Christ. The submission of the body of Christ. Very, very important. And first of all, before anything else, you are submitted to the head. Jesus is Lord. As a matter of fact, uh, for, for you to be saved is for you to confess and to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus. You know, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So the, the, the confession of, the recognition of Jesus as Lord is uh, step one for salvation. But it's interesting is that th there are those who will realize that and admit that too late. As a matter of fact, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that. But, but if you're confessing it when, you're, when you don't have any choice in the matter, it's over. I mean, I, I, I hate to be so blunt, but I will be. It, it's over at that point. But for you to get the benefit of acknowledging Jesus as Lord is not when you know it's the last day and it's, it's all done and over and you don't have any choice in the matter. No, the, the blessing and the benefit of it is when you acknowledge him as that voluntarily. When, when you look to him and say, somebody who would do so much for me, somebody who would love me like he loved me, shed his blood for me like he did, uh, suffer for me like he did, care for me so deeply like he did, he and he alone is worthy of my service and, 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 and my, my loyalty. 
you, Jesus, are my Lord. Hallelujah. Now, the submission of the body to the head. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, we already referred to it, but it's so good we're going to do it again. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. So submission in the body is recognizing that God has set the members in the body as he pleased. So this is not about you going and worshiping at the, the, the church of your choice, as some people like to say. No, this is not you going to worship at the church of your choice. This is you going to the head and saying, head of the church, where do you want me? Where have you planted me? Because where, where you have planted me, that's where I go. I'm not going to the, the location of my choice. No, I'm going to the head. The head has directed. The head has already spoken uh, certain things and, and designated certain things and, and destined certain things. Where is it that you want me to be? Now, you know, the, the Lord may, uh, you know, over the course of time, the, the Lord may, may uh, uh, start you off in a place and bring you along into another place. But the thing is, is that it's his direction. It's not your direction. It's not your friend's direction. It's not anything else. It's his involvement in that. He's the one calling the shots. And we're saying, yes, sir. Yes, head of the church. Yes, head of the body. I'm here to serve you and submit myself to you. And I tell you, this will pay off in your life. Because a lot of times people have wondered, well, I, when, when I exercise authority over the devil, I, I don't seem to pack as much of a punch as I think I should be punching or packing, <laughs> whatever. But, but he, there's a reason why we're going to look at it right now. This is out of James in chapter 4. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I think there's a whole lot of cases of people wanting to resist that haven't submitted to God. And if, you, if, if that's not in order, you know, uh, you, you can go ahead and be resisting and resisting and rebuking and rebuking, and the devil can probably have a good laugh at some of that because he knows that you are not submitted to God. But you see, for you to have authority, hey, and uh, I know a man who's taught this a whole lot of times. For you to be in authority, you got to be under authority. Hallelujah. And so, therefore, when you are under authority, submitted to God, then you're in the right position to be able to go ahead and exercise authority over the devil and all the dominions of darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. So we see the importance of being submitted to the head. Very important, utmost importance, numero uno. Now, let's talk about submission to leaders, submission to leaders in the body of Christ. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says this, uh, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, an interesting thing here, it's talking about obeying those that rule over you and us being submissive, but also recognizing this, that if, if you're a leader, if you're putting your leader in a position where they're doing their job with grief and not with joy, 
the Bible says that that is unprofitable for you. So when you put your leader in a position where it's a, a joy for them to get to talk to you and minister to you, you know, uh, can, can I have a little fun? You know, uh, even, even pastors can be human. And even pastors can, you know, uh, uh, can, can have the tendency to say, oh, Lord, do I dare walk down that aisle? Do I dare have this conversation? Oh, Lord. <laughs> because they, they get that sense that I might be doing this with some grief and not with some joy. So we've been around this tree over and over and over again, and I'm trying to get this person on track, and they're not getting on track. See, there's, there's humanity in the ministry, too. But, but, but the thing is, is that realize this, that when you submit yourselves to God's leaders in your life, you're actually putting uh, them in a position where they can do their job with joy and not with grief. And when you put them in that position, when they're doing their job with joy, that profits you. And when they're doing their job with grief, the Bible clearly states that is unprofitable to you. So here's the thing. I don't want to cause grief. I want to cause joy. I want to go ahead and, and, and be submissive and, and, and have a right heart towards my leaders. And then I'm putting them in a position where they can have the, the, the maximum impact where God can have the maximum impact through them in my life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How about 1 Corinthians 16, 15 to 16? The words of Paul, he said, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Verse 16, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. So who are you told to submit to here? You're told to submit to those who have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Hallelujah. So in the body of Christ, it's not just you know, your, your fellow members of the body of Christ, not, not, uh, to, for lack of a better term, not just your peers in the body of Christ, but also in the body are those that God has sent to you as leaders. Uh, uh, the, those that God has sent to you to, to bring you along, show you the way, to, uh, to, to love you, to teach you, to admonish you, to pastor you, to pester you. Praise the Lord. All right. I've always liked how those two words are so close together. Because <laughs> sometimes the ministry of pastoring is pestering. When you say, I'm not going to go ahead and let you get away with that. I know I told you this last week, but I'm going to tell it to you again because the truth is not changed. And then the next week comes, I'm going to tell you the same thing again. The same thing is true. The truth is not changed. And yet I might be pestering you, but, but this is, <laughs> pestering and pastoring sometimes go along together. Amen. But how about this? Besides submitting to the head and besides submitting to our leaders, how about submitting to one another? You know, the Bible talks about that very clearly. Ephesians 5, verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Let's look at a few others. Galatians 5, 13, it says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. 
And then, how about this? 1 Peter 2.17 says, Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. And I just wanted to go ahead and make sure I was doing my homework. So I want to look up the word honor that's used both cases there in the same verse. And I want to make sure they're the same Greek word. And they were. Which means in the same way that these people were told to honor the king, they were told to honor all people. So I got to tell you, there's something about our submission to one another where we're treating everybody like royalty. Hey, hallelujah. Where we're treating everybody in, in the, with the same love and the same honor and the same respect as we would if we were standing before the king, standing in the king's court. Imagine if how, imagine just the dignity that can be brought to somebody when they get treated right. Hallelujah. Because you see, that's, that's what the gospel does. That's what love does. Love raises people up. Love doesn't beat people down. You know, love might go ahead and confront somebody where they're at, but love will say, the, the reason I'm confronting you where you're at is because I love you too much to leave you where you're at. No, we're going up higher. We're moving on up. Hallelujah. And uh, what, a, what a blessing it is to, to understand and to see that, that in the body of Christ that we're submitting to one another, we're through love, we're serving one another. We're honoring uh, each other. And one more, let's look at 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. And that says this, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Wow. And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And there you see the idea of being submissive to one another. And, and, and then it starts talking about humility. Because it takes some humility to, to be able to go ahead and, and, uh, and, and do this. This is what I mean. Uh, it's the idea of being what, what I would call a servant leader. A servant leader. And think about this in the context of life in the local church and even in life in general, you, you see this principle where, uh, for instance, in the local church, you might be the head of one area in the church. And so that, you know, when, when it comes to that one area in the church, everybody comes and reports to you, you know, you, you're handling it, you're leading it, you're on top of it. And so when it comes to that, you know, uh, other than d direction that might come from ahead, from the pastor or other church staff to you, you know, you're overseeing that area and, and you, you're authorized by, by the leadership of the church. That's, that's your baby and you're running with it. But then you go and get involved in another area of the church that you are not the head honcho of. Well, you can't go over there and go ahead and be the head honcho and call the shots because you're not authorized over there. Somebody else is authorized. So you, as good of a job as you did leading in one area, when you go into that other area, your job there is not to lead but to serve. Praise the Lord. Now, it's kind of like, you know, um, the, the CEO, he might be good at being CEO, but he don't know nothing about fixing his car. So when he goes to the mechanic, he, he can't go ahead and put a CEO hat on there because 
He don't know what the mechanic knows. So therefore, in that sense, he needs to set aside his CEO uh, uh, mojo and his CEO vibe or whatever you want to call it and say, all right, this is what's happening in my car. I don't know what to do with it. I can't do anything with it. I don't got the skills. That's why I'm coming to you. And so if the, the mechanic says this is what it is and the CEO wants to argue with him about it, that's crazy. I mean, that's just not going anywhere. Because here's the thing. He's realizing now that I am, uh, I am not in my office. I'm not in the conference room now. The, the, this is an area where somebody else has the expertise. Somebody else, I, I'm under somebody else's authority right now. Somebody else who's qualified in this area where I am not qualified. And therefore, I'm not going to go ahead and try to be CEO here. I'm going to go ahead and say, I trust you. Uh, please fix my car so I can get to work. See that? You know, in, in the same way that you can see an example of that in uh, the local church, you can see an example of that in, in just in life in general. So think about that. Be a servant leader where, where you, you might be a leader, but, but, but you, if, if you on, on the same day left your leadership meeting and went to somebody else's meeting where you were serving, and that, that you could easily weave in and out and that that would not trip you up one bit because you're both. In one person, you are a servant and you are a leader. Glory to God. And, and, and those are not uh, contradictory terms because the greatest leader of all was the greatest servant of all. So those are not contradictory terms. Those can function perfectly all together. Amen. Now, as we get ready... To close. Now, this, we're not closing yet. We're just getting ready. We're fixing to, all right? <laughs> but let's talk about the function of the body. Glory to God. The function of the body. This is uh, Romans 12. Let's go ahead and read there first, verse 4 through 8 of Romans 12. Uh, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Now, before we keep on reading there, you can keep the verse up. But first of all, realize this. It said all the members do not have the same function. But then it says this, that you've got gifts differing according to the grace that is given. So our gifts differ from each other, and that's okay. Because don't forget the, uh, what I said in the beginning is that the way that the body of Christ is, when Jesus was here on the earth, every anointing and every gifting was all in him. But in the body of Christ, everything that was in Jesus is now spread throughout the whole body, and everybody's got their piece of the pie, but nobody got the whole pie. But you see, with a different grace you have a different gift. So as you've been graced by God in a certain area, how does that manifest? That manifests in a gift. A different grace means a different gift. So your gifts differ according to the grace that was given to you. You may have been graced in one area, so therefore where you're graced, you're gifted. You see that? And where you've not been graced, you realize... It's pretty simple. You're not gifted there. 
But then the Bible also says, let us use them. See that right in the middle? And the, the, the very simplicity of that uh, can, can be overlooked because so many people have not gotten to the point where they've even sought the Lord and, and looked to recognize in their own heart and in their own life where they've been graced and therefore where they've been gifted. And they, they've not even gone there, so they've certainly not gotten to the next step where they start using their gift. And some people do know what they're graced to do. They, they, they do know how they've been graced and the gift they've received of the Lord, but they're still not actively using it. The will of God for the body of Christ and the proper function of the body is for you to go ahead and realize the grace that's upon you, the gifts that you have from the head of the church, and for you to use those gifts. Do not sit on them. Do not sit on them. Because by sitting on them, you are robbing you. And by sitting on them, you are robbing the, the other members of the body that, that you've got a supply to bring. The, the Bible talks about the, the joints that bring a supply, the joints in the body that bring a supply. And if you're not bringing your supply, then there's a, uh, your next door uh, uh, joint or ligament or, 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 or you know, whatever part of the body you, you want to think about is not getting the supply that they need from you because you're sitting on yours. Where if you would use yours, then they would go ahead and be able to get the benefit and, and the blessing of it. And by them go ahead and using theirs, you get the benefit and the blessing of theirs. That's the way God set this thing up to work. Praise his holy name. So now let's go back to reading. Verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality. Imagine that, that, that one of the gifts would be the gift of giving. I tell you, you know, there, there's people that they really have a sense and a call of God inside of them that their job is to make money and give big to the body of Christ, to the local church and the causes that God's got all around the world. And they just absolutely know that that's what they're supposed to do. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, now it's interesting that somebody who's really gifted with showing mercy, they can do it with cheerfulness. There, there's an extra gift around there. See, somebody who's trying to go ahead and function in that, who does, is not equipped with that, they're not doing it with cheerfulness. They want to strangle somebody. <laughs> we can talk tonight. But the person who's gifted with showing mercy, they can do that with cheerfulness. Why? Because there's DNA from God for them to do that. DNA from God for them to function in that way. Amen. And you know what? I dare say to you that Romans 12, this is not an exhaustive list. This is not every possible way that somebody could be gifted. You know, there's even a few things in the Old Testament mentioned that, that are worth bringing up here. Over in Exodus 31, it talks about, about a man named Bezalel or Bezalel. Um, 
And uh, this man, the, the scripture says that, that he was filled with the spirit of God in all manner of workmanship. And this was a man who, who was uh, actually uh, anointed for the purpose of uh, uh, the, uh, the, doing, doing the work on the, uh, the, the tabernacle. And, and, uh, and then besides that, you know, also the Ark of the Covenant. So, so he was filled with the spirit of God in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to cut jewels, and to carve wood. You might think, somebody anointed to carve wood. Come on now. But the Bible says that the spirit of God was on this man for that very purpose. And that the spirit, he was filled with the spirit of God in all manner of workmanship. So, so th this here is, uh, th this is not somebody, you know, preaching to you on Wednesday night or preaching to you on Sunday morning or uh, uh, doing something that, that we would, you know, typically say, well, that, that person is really greatly used of God. But, you know, you can be used of God in ways that don't seem so spiritual and flashy. You know that you can be used of God in ways that seem so practical. But in that practicality, there is an anointing. The, the same spirit of God that's anointing somebody to preach the gospel, the same spirit of God that's anointing someone to, to heal the sick and to cast out devils, that same spirit of God can anoint somebody to do something that doesn't seem so spiritual and doesn't seem so flashy, but it still needs to get done and it needs to get done right and it needs to look good and the Spirit of God gets involved in that. Amen. Amen. You know, even 1 Samuel 16, uh, the, the scripture says that King Saul uh, had an evil spirit that was troubling him and distressing him. And, and, and what, what happened? That there was an anointed harp player. Hey, hey, an anointed harp player named David. And he found out about him and said, get him over here. And when David played his harp, here's a man who knows God, a man who, who, who's a worshiper, uh, a man, uh, I mean, he, you know, Psalms just pour out of him. I mean, he is an absolute worshiper. He's a skilled musician. And in letting his gift flow, uh, it says that in the scripture, 1 Samuel 16, that, that, that it calmed down that evil spirit. That evil spirit would start messing with Saul. And of course, the reason he had an evil spirit mess with him is because he got, got into some stuff that he should have never, ever gotten into, cross lines that he should have never, ever crossed. But the thing is, is that even so, uh, an anointed musician was able to so affect the atmosphere where it would bring a man to peace who would otherwise be troubled by an evil spirit. Wow. God has giftings and anointings that go far beyond anything that, that, that we can totally, we, we can't hit it all tonight. I would encourage this. I'm not, I'm not going to take the time to look at this right now. But I would encourage everybody to really dig into 1 Corinthians 12, especially in this context. We read it last week, but I don't want to take the time to read it again right now. But I would encourage everybody to go ahead and really 
take a look at 1 Corinthians 12 in the context of what Paul says to uh, regarding the, the body and re regarding the way that the body functions and that you can't have one part saying, well, I'm, I must not be as good as you because you're a this and I'm a that. All the parts are necessary. Every part of the body is necessary. And so I, I encourage you to do that. But just realize this, that the body consists of many parts. God's put the parts in the body as it pleased him. So don't try to place yourself. Let the head place you where you're supposed to go. God has honored all the body, not just the parts of the body that's visible and noticeable. His goal for the body, actually, before I say that, let me say this. Everyone is important. Everyone is important. God has honored all the parts of the body. And in some cases, the, the, script, the scripture actually says that, that there are some parts of the body that, that would be uh, less presentable or uh, uh, look like they're, they're not so much of a big deal. And it says that God uh, would, would have put greater honor on what seemed to be less honorable. So that's God's way of saying there's no part of his body that's insignificant, that doesn't matter. Every part of the body is important. Now, his goal is for the body not to have any schisms. We've got to understand that. A schism being a tear or a division or a dissension. So no schisms, no divisions, no tears in the body. But for every part to have the same care for one another. The same care for one another, which means there's not a me, 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 and there's not playing favorites either. So me, 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 what would that be? That would be somebody who's focusing on themselves, acting like they're the only part of the body. It's just me, 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 me. And then the other person who would play favorites is actually showing partiality, what the Bible calls respective persons, which God is certainly not a respective persons. So therefore, anybody who's in his body connected to the head should not be a respective persons either. So you're not focusing on yourself and you're not having respective persons, but you're having the same care for one another, everybody caring for one another as though, uh, as, as though they were uh, uh, caring for themselves. You know, just like we read in Ephesians 5 last week that the, uh, no man ever hated his own flesh but he nourishes it and cherishes, cherishes it even in the same way that the Lord does the church. Now, we're going to go ahead. Like I said, we're skipping over 1 Corinthians 12, but I want to read this before we go tonight. This is Ephesians 4. And there's no way you can talk about this without going to Ephesians 4. Hallelujah. Starting with verse 11. And it says this, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine 
by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Hallelujah. There's so much here. So much here. Oh, my goodness. But I want to go ahead and hit some high points of this as we're getting ready to wrap up tonight. First of all, realizing that Jesus has given gifts to men. He's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And realize this, that these men and women who are called to these positions are also part of the body of Christ himself. Yet, are designated by the Lord, uh, even though they're part of the body themselves, they're fellow brothers and sisters, yet they are designated as gifts to the body of Christ, sent to the body of Christ for, for two specific things. You know, and you, you could get into more, but we'll focus in on two specific things right here. So they are strategically placed in the body to equip and to edify to equip and to edify, to make sure that you're equipped for the work of the ministry. In other words, for you to be equipped so that you can go ahead and do the work that you are supposed to do, the, the work, the function that uh, this part of the body is supposed to have. You got these ministry gifts sent to you to be able to equip you so you can go ahead and do the thing that the head of the church has called you, gifted you, and anointed you to do. Hallelujah. How important that is. So that's part of it, the equipment, but then the edifying. And the edifying has to do with building up. As a matter of fact, you can probably see a little bit of a connection between the word edify and the word edifice. Because those are connected words. Uh, the act of building up. And it's interesting that this is done by the fivefold ministry, the, the, the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, is sent by the head of the church to the body for the sake of equipping them and for the sake of edifying them, building them up. But uh, it, it's, it's also interesting to notice that in that last verse that we read, which is verse 16, if we can go to 16 again, you can see that from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share. Whoa, that's a mouthful. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So think about that, that in the same way that God has called uh, the, 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 the ministry gifts to come and edify the body, that there is, by walking in love, that the, there's the potential for the body to edify itself. That when the body loves the body, the body's getting built up. Hallelujah. That, 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 that we are causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. 
that, that when you're walking in love, you're building up somebody. You're not tearing them down. And I got to tell you, you, you know, I, I, I've seen people t torn down. I've been torn down. I know if I had a show of hands that everybody could say that at some point in life, they've been torn down. But oh, hallelujah, when we get into doing things God's way, when we go ahead and, and, and function in the position in the body that we've been called to, when we go ahead and uh, uh, get ourselves under the, the influence and the ministry of the, the, the ministry gifts that God sent to the body, we're getting edification that way. And then when we're loving each other, oh, hallelujah, there, there's more edification that way. And what is edification? It's building up, not tearing down. It's building up. Hallelujah. So, so many things we could say, but I want to go ahead and look at that verse 16 if we got it in a different translation. I'm going to look at that in the complete Jewish Bible. And at that point, we'll go ahead and just unhook tonight. So, uh, do we have that? Okay, then uh, uh, since it's not back there, I'll just read it to you, right? But this is the complete Jewish Bible, verse uh, 16 there. It says, under his control... Listen to this. Under his control, the whole body is being fitted and held together by the support of every joint with each part working to fulfill its function. This is how the body grows and builds itself up in love. Hallelujah. I want to give it to you one more time. Under his control, the head of the church, the head of the body, the whole body is being fitted and held together by the support of every joint with each part working to fulfill its function. With each part working to fulfill its function. With each part working to fulfill its function, this is how the body grows and builds itself up in love. So remember, Christ is the head of the body. We're the parts of the body. Some parts external, internal, more visible, less visible, but all important. We see the unity of the body, the need for unity in the body. We see the need for empathy in the body, to go ahead and be moved with what others in our body are moved with, to, 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 to look to feel what they feel and, and experience what they experience. The culture of the body, number one way to sum that up, being a culture of love. The submission of the body, that means we're submitted to the head, the Lord Jesus. We're submitted to the leaders that the head's directed into our life. And we're also submitted to one another. And then the function of the body, that you are functioning right where he put you, working just like he designed you to, doing the function that will not just be the blessing to you, but when you are functioning, it's the blessing to the whole rest of the body. And I got to tell you, you cannot underestimate your function because the whole rest of the body is, is uh, waiting, if you want to put it like that, is waiting for you, for me, for others to step up and do what we've been called to do. Because when every member of the body is on, I mean, pedal to the metal, full throttle, doing what we've been called to do, I got to tell you, everything's working 
everything's clicking. And one thing I want to say to you, if we're going to grow up in all things into him, then I don't think it's God's will for Jesus to have a mature head and an immature body. I do believe that where we're headed and where it's the head of the church is designed to take us is into full growth, full maturity. Hallelujah. Do you believe that too? Amen. Let's pray tonight. Father, we honor you. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for for so so ministering to us and, and making some things clear to us. And Lord, even helping us to see some things in a fresh way or even turning the light on to something we've not seen before. But we're grateful. We thank you, Lord, for being so good. Many of you here tonight, those of you watching by live stream, may already be members of the body of Christ. And I got to tell you, isn't that wonderful? What a joy it is to be a member of the body of Christ. But you, you might be here or might be watching and you're not sure whether you are or not. But you know, it, it is God's will for you to be part of his body. He sent Jesus to die for you, to shed his blood for you so that you can be saved. He came to redeem you, to buy you back out of the hand of the enemy and to go ahead and bring you into the full freedom that he's got for you. Don't spend another day where you're at. Don't spend another day lost and wondering when you can come into the presence of God and experience him, know his love, know his kindness and experience all the blessings he's got for you. And then besides that, to, to know his love and, and to, to, to recognize that, that his love goes to the deepest depths so to save you from hell and to be able to provide you the opportunity to spend eternity with him in his presence. Oh, he loves you so much. He went to the deepest depths so he could save you from the deepest depths. And if that's you tonight, you realize I'm not part of the body of Christ, but I sure want to be. Well, tonight's your night. And I tell you, I want you to go ahead and pray this with me. I want you to mean it with all your heart. I want you to go ahead and uh, 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 not just mouth words, but realize that this is a significant thing, a significant moment, a significant commitment that you're making. And that the Lord is going to go ahead and hear you and, and welcome you into his body. Let's pray tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that Jesus died. For me, for my sins, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. I confess Jesus as my Lord. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the only way to eternal life. And I turn to him tonight and I receive his gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I repent. I do a U-turn from where I've been. And I will serve you and follow you and you only all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise